Hey everybody, this is Gene Troyer. I'm the lead pastor of Restore Church. And what a pleasure it is to welcome you to our podcast. It's my hope that you will be marked by love and encouraged in your faith and inspired to become all God has created you to be. Now I invite you to lean in and enjoy the podcast. Most of the time I look at the song list as we come up to a Sunday morning, and I actually did. But I didn't realize that the word surround would be so prevalent. And I wonder if you've experienced the surrounding of the Father this morning, the embrace of the Father. This is Palm Sunday, and I had to think about Jesus walking into Jerusalem. And we picture the people surrounding him. But scripture tells us that we're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. Can you imagine? Can you imagine what the unseen eyes saw as Jesus is walking toward Jerusalem? The spiritual battles that were happening around them. Can you imagine what was happening in the spiritual realm? Every journey you walk on, every road you walk down, every time you hit an obstacle, there's a spiritual battle going on around you. You are surrounded. You are surrounded. And you get to decide which one is going to win. And I hope this morning, as we dive into Scripture, as we talk about what it really means to come home, to come home, that you would, that you would hear the voice of God, that you would hear I've already heard him this morning. His presence is very real. And I believe that he's going to continue to speak into our lives as we continue the service. So you guys can go ahead and be seated. My name's Gene. I'm one of the pastors here at Restore. And uh, what a privilege it is to be gathered in the house this morning. For all of you guys online, we are so excited that you're part of us. And uh, we just pray that, you're, uh, that you would experience the presence of Jesus right where you are this morning, just as we have here. If you've been around here the last month or so, uh, if you've watched anything online, you know that this was slated to be Baptism Sunday. It's always an amazing weekend when we get to uh, take people to uh, our baptismal tank and experience baptism together as a church. But there's always the risk. There's always the risk when you announce baptism that, uh, that there may not be anybody to baptize this time around. And um, that's what has occurred this morning. So the baptism tank isn't out front uh, because we didn't have anyone that registered. And uh, I, unlike maybe many pastors, um, am just okay about talking about that. I'm not embarrassed by it. Here's, here's what I believe. I believe that over the course of the last three years, we have had the privilege of baptizing 31 people. 31 people in three years. And I had a former pastor that kept pointing to, it's not the number of people, it is the, uh, the, the deeply rootedness of the, how deep are our roots, how deep are our spiritual roots. And we hope, we always hope that we have more and more and more people stepping into places of uh, experiencing faith. But 
Uh, but we've also had a scenario this past year where many of you are new, and some of you uh, uh, haven't experienced church for a long time. And we also know that uh, some of us are still wary of close connections. And so uh, we're going to offer it again in September, and we hope that we're beyond this whole uh, six-foot distancing and all of that long, long before then. But uh, we're believing that there, we will have uh, many people that will step into the waters of baptism again this fall. Well, this is the final Sunday of Lent. Um, we've never done a series around Lent, but this year we did. And I don't know, has it been helpful to you? Has it been the kind of thing where you've been able to think through, what does it mean for me to prepare my heart for Easter? I mean, that's the whole goal of this series has been to point us in the direction of Easter. We're, we're going toward Easter. And what does Easter mean for us this year that maybe it hasn't meant to us in the past? Well, we started, we started off with, with just some basic things that we believe need to happen during Lent. Confession. Confession. A lot of this was very introspective. A lot of this was thinking through, why do I do the things that I do? Why do I believe the things I believe? How am I living out my life in the day-to-day? -day? And is it, am I living it out in such a way that, that Jesus is evident in my life? Or did I just push the uh, cruise control and I'm just going wherever the road takes me? Or am I intentional? Am I intentional about confessing that which comes in front of me and says, I mean, the Spirit of God speaks to us. If we're listening, He will speak to us and He will say, no, 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 that's probably the not, not the right response. That's probably not the right way to go. Let me take you this way. Open your eyes, open your ears, let's go this way. But it starts with confession, doesn't it? Confession, saying what is true. And when we confess, it increases the level of lament. Now, lament is not a word we use very often, but this year when I preached on lament, it was pointing us to the goodness of God, not to stay in a place of, oh my gosh, I'm so bad. Now, you better feel that for a moment, maybe. My sin has taken me down a path I don't want to go down. And so I'm going to confess that. I'm going to lament that. But then I'm going to remember the goodness of God, the goodness of God in the places that, are, that we are finding ourselves lamenting. God is still for us. God is still for us. Brenda brought a message on, is God safe? Is following Jesus safe? Is that our goal? Or is it about stepping into the risky places, to the places that we wouldn't normally go? Because God calls us to those places. And when we go, is it safe? No, but God is still good. We talked about repenting. So we can confess all day long. We can say, I'm sorry, 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 sorry. You've heard people tell you. Well, if I offended you, I'm really, you know, I'm, I'm sorry. The if I offended you, no, that's not true confession. Confession is, here's what I did. Here's who I am. I need your forgiveness. And by the way, if you repent, you don't intend to do it again. That one smacked me in the head. That one... It was a good reminder for me because it's not hard for me to confess and it's not hard for me to repent. What is hard for me and maybe for you is to actually 
decide I'm not going to do that again. I'm going to practice something different. That's the challenge. That's a terrific challenge, is to actually repent and mean it. Not take the blood of Christ shed on the cross for granted, but to actually believe that the blood of Christ cleanses all, and I don't have to do that anymore. Finally, last week, we talked about transformation. The transforming power of Christ can make us brand new. This past week, I spent a couple days in Florida with my parents. I haven't seen them since November. And um, not all of us have this experience. But I don't know if you know what it feels like to come home. I mean, really come home. I believe there are two places we could call home. One is physical, one is spiritual. Some of us have the same home for both places. Like, our home is both physical and it is a spiritual home for us. Many of us, though, we may have a physical home, but we have another place that's our spiritual home. So I want you to think about that this morning. Where's your physical home? Where's your spiritual home? I met mom and dad at a restaurant. Um, I was coming to town. They met me at the restaurant. My parents are in their 80s. When I saw them, I was home. The embrace of my father and my mother, it like, it's home. It's like my place. I haven't experienced anything other than that, right? I haven't, I haven't known anything else other than a mom and dad whose embrace means I'm home. And I know some of you haven't. So while it's easy for me to talk about that, for me to paint a picture of what home is to me, you have to decide what home is for you. The cool thing is that whatever home wasn't for you, you can make it different. You can decide to go a different way. You can decide that you will, by the grace of God, establish a home that is both physical and it is spiritual. It doesn't need to be one or the other. It can be both. When Jesus was 12 years old, he was in Jerusalem with his family celebrating the Passover. This was an annual uh, seven, eight-day uh, festival celebrating the Passover. The Passover meant like when, when, when God got the children of Israel out of Egypt and they ended up 40 years in the wilderness, but he, he, he freed them. Yeah, he brought Moses and he freed. Moses took the children of Israel, got them out of Egypt, and they would celebrate Still do. Passover started this week, I think maybe Friday. Um, but Passover is still celebrated. It is still a remembrance of what God has done in the lives of the people of Israel. It is this, this movement 
away from the bondage and the chains of their lives into a place of freedom and restoration. That was what, and that is still, what this festival is about. And so Jesus was with his, at 12 years old, he was with his family, with his parents in Jerusalem. Well, the time of the festival was done. They headed back home to Nazareth, back home to Nazareth. And Nazareth, Nazareth was the physical location for home for Jesus. Nazareth, I don't know if you know this, but it was kind of a, it was a backwater town. So it's uh, like Nazareth was in the Galilee area, and then there was the Samaritan region, and then below that was the uh, Judea region, which is where Jerusalem was. So it's kind of Jerusalem, Samaria, and then the Nazareth area up here. And in order to get you remember this story, Jesus and the Samaritan woman, but in order to get to Jerusalem, you kind of had to go through Samaria. There were ways around it, but the most direct route was through Samaria. There was a lot of intermingling between this little village out here in Galilee and the Samaritan people. And so those in Jerusalem, they, they were, there was a bit of prejudice about those people out there. You ever heard that? Has the church ever looked at those people out there and said, nah, can't intermingle with them. Stay away from those people. Because somehow we don't think we have the power of God in us to withstand anything that happens out there. Because Jesus came. He came to restore and give life. And yet we're scared of other human beings because what if they have uh, what if they say something and I don't know what to say? Well, lean into Jesus. Let the Spirit of God speak through you. I know there's fear, but you need to come against that. You have the power of God in you. So intermingling, look, I'm not talking about little kids. I'm not talking about teenagers. Look, you parents have to make decisions about your family. But you're a grown adult. You need to be in relationship with those that don't believe like you do. You need to be in relationship with those that are far left if you're far right. Maybe you can meet in the middle. Maybe you can just see people for who they are, give value to them, and believe that Jesus is actually going to do some amazing things through you. Here's Jesus. He's, he's on his way home to Nazareth. Maybe. Mary thinks... Joseph has Jesus, and Joseph thinks Mary has Jesus. Ain't nobody got Jesus. <laughs> he's in Jerusalem. They're one day out of the city, and he's still back in Jerusalem. It takes them three days to finally find him. Do you remember the scene in Home Alone when Kevin is home alone, and his mom is at the airport? And all of a sudden realizes Kevin isn't around and she says, Kevin! And falls over backwards and faints. Remember that? Jesus! Jesus! Jesus of Nazareth! Where are you? Jesus! They're all over the place looking for Jesus in Jerusalem. And they finally find him. And he's with the rabbis in the temple. And Mary goes up to him and says, Jesus. No, I don't know what she said. Where the heck were you? Mary, Mary's like, 
We've been looking all over for you. We've been frantically looking for you. And Jesus says, 12 years old. Got any 12-year-olds in the house? What up, mom? Don't you know I'm supposed to be about my father's business? <laughs> Can you imagine it? Jesus has found his spiritual home. It's interesting, isn't it, that we look at, we, we know that Jesus was considered, well, Jesus was not, a familiar, was not an unfamiliar name in that ancient tradition. Lots of Jesuses around. Just like there's a lot of John Millers around here. <laughs> or Joe Rabers, or name it. Like, we have the same last names, and we have the same first names. And so what happens? Well, in some traditions, you would say, well, Gene from Goshen, or Ricky from Elkhart, or Ricky from, I'm going to get it, uh, Executive Cleaners, right? So you name a business, and you say a person's name that's attached to it. We all have ways of, of de deciding how we're going to identify someone if the name is common, if we don't have, we make connections, right? So this is Jesus of Nazareth. And one day, Philip, Philip, the, one of the uh, disciples, talks to Nathaniel, and he says, Hey, Nathaniel, I want you to meet Jesus of Nazareth. And Nathaniel's like, can anything good come out of Nazareth, that backwater town? Can anything good come out of the hood in Elkhart? Philip's like, I don't know. Come see. Come see. And he saw. And he saw. Listen, let's turn in our Bibles to John chapter 12 because this is Palm Sunday. And we're on our way with Jesus. We're walking down the road towards Jerusalem. And along the way, a lot of things happen. We're going to cut it down to the moment in, in verse 12. When Jesus of Nazareth who has gained a following. He has been healing people. He's been doing miracles. He's been giving, giving sight to eyes. He's been, he's been raising people from the dead. Lazarus was raised among a, a number of other people. Jesus was about his father's business, and here he is coming toward Jerusalem. And John writes it differently from the other three Gospels. Matthew, Mark, and Luke have, have a, different, a little bit of a different spin on it. But John has already talked about Jesus being anointed for burial. So it's like, it's like what exactly is the mood as we walk toward Jerusalem? Here we go. The next day, the great crowd that had come for the festival, this Passover festival, heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. So people in the, in the city heard he was coming. And so they broke some palm branches off the, off the trees and went out to meet him. And they were shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna. We just sang, Hosanna in the highest. Hosanna simply means save now, save us now. Hosanna, they were yelling. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the king of Israel. Uh, the gospel of Luke 
records that the Pharisees, who apparently came out with them too, check them out, make sure they stayed in line, right? The Pharisees looked at, at or yelled at Jesus and said, shut it down, shut it down, stop them. And Jesus' response was, if they don't, the rocks will. If they don't cry out, the rocks will. The rocks will cry out. So great is the presence of Jesus that if the people don't cry out, the rocks will. Nature will respond. Nature does respond to the presence of God, to the creator that created everything. Nature responds, will we? Will we? When the presence of God goes with you to wherever you go, do you resist do you resist the Spirit's prompting? Or do you step into those places and go, all right, I'm going to speak. Because if I don't, something else will. Something else will. Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it. Verse 14. Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it, as it is written. So Zechariah in the Old Testament prophesied. And he said, do not be afraid, daughter Zion. Do not be afraid, people of Jerusalem. Do not be afraid, people of Restore. See, your king is coming, seated on a donkey's colt. Now, at first, his disciples did not understand all of this. Only after Jesus was glorified did they realize that these things had been written about him and that these things had been done to him. Now the crowd that was with him when he called Lazarus from the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to spread the word. Now the crowd that was at Restore experienced Jesus and they continued to spread the word. That's my hope and prayer for us as a people, as a community. That You know, if you've been here at all, you know that our passion is that we wouldn't just stay inside these four walls and do church. But that we, the church, would rise up and walk in the power and grace of Jesus out there out there. That's where we need to be. You get some inspiration here. You experience the presence of Jesus here. You receive some community experiences here. But my goodness, if we just rattle our own cage, uh, we're going to just stay in that cage, right? We're, we're, we've got to break out, and we've got to go out there and do what God calls us to do. Many people, many people, because they had heard that he had performed this sign, went out to meet him. Oh, he's going to do some more miracles. Let's go run after that. So the Pharisees said to one another, See, this is getting us nowhere. <laughs> Look how the whole world has gone after him. <laughs> we'll get back to that one. But on the way to Jerusalem, Jesus was clear-eyed. He was focused. He knew what was ahead of him. You might ask, was this a triumphant entry? Because that's how the Gospels typically talk about this. This is in West, the way we talk about it. Palm Sunday is the triumphal entry of Jesus into Jerusalem. You have to wonder, though, was Jesus thinking about winning, about being victorious? I don't know. Or was he tenacious? Was it a tenacious entry into Jerusalem? One that was gritty, that was steely. He had his head down. He knew what was ahead. He was actually entering into death. This was an impending murder. And he was aware of it. So I wonder, would you consider, those of you online, those of you in the house, would you consider that perhaps in your coming and in your going, in your walking around everyday life, that maybe coming home is not always as expected? Coming home is not always as expected. See, people, the people knew about his miracles. They came out of Jerusalem. The people that were with him already, there were two groups of people coming. Those that saw him raise Lazarus from the dead, those that heard about it, they came together and shouted, 
the king of Israel is in, on his way to Jerusalem. Hosanna to the king. They expected a king with political clout. A king that would ride in on a stallion. Not a king that would borrow a donkey. The donkey, was a, a, the donkey is a symbol of peace. The stallion, the horse, is a warring, conquering king image. Everything in the story here has, has a purpose. Palm branches. Palm branches were used to celebrate a conquering king. Coats, they took their coats off and put them on the ground so that Jesus would come in on those coats. That was another sign of, of, of humility before a conquering king, celebrating a warrior king. See, through the eyes of the miracle-seeking public, they wanted another raise-me-from-the-dead experience. They knew Jesus could because he had brought it many times. Jesus could do the miracle. They wanted that mountaintop experience, that rush that comes with being in an extraordinary experience with Jesus. They saw what they termed as unbelievable, and they wanted more. They wanted more. The culture in that day, maybe like today, was a political tinderbox. Jesus was, was going to cater to their cause. Finally, finally they would have power and protection, the safety they had hoped for. And then Jesus pulls a fast one. But my kingdom is not of this world. Ah. The first shall be last, and the last shall be first. The kingdom of God is an upside-down kingdom, and Jesus represents it for us like no other. Instead of a king of, of, of earthly power, of force, Jesus came on a donkey as a king of peace. So I wonder this morning, is yours, is yours a kingdom of power or is it a kingdom of peace? Do you come into every situation where you are intent on getting your way with force? You have to think about what you like at work. What do you like in your family, in your relationship with your closest friends, your spouse? Do you come at it from a place of force or do you, like Jesus, stand at the door and knock? See, Jesus is not, Jesus is not going to force you to do anything. But he says, I stand at the door and I knock. He's a gentleman. He's waiting for that door to be opened. And sometimes it's just a crack. A little bit more. But if you just crack that door, the Spirit of God, He is for you. He steps in 
he begins to bring about the changes that only he can bring. Peace is not passive. Let's just be straight about that. Peace is not passive. Peace is not peace when it avoids conflict. Peace is not peace when we close our eyes to injustice. The absence of truth is also the absence of peace. This is why the peace that passes understanding, the, the my peace I give you action of Jesus does not always materialize in our exterior world. But, but if we seek peace and pursue it and believe Jesus for it, our interior world, I can promise you, will be reorganized. His peace is just a breath away. He gives it with abundance. Further in the Gospel of John, chapter 14, verse 27, John writes, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives to you, I give to you. Here it is. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Why don't you stand with me as we close our time together. This grand entrance into Jerusalem, it's often been called a triumphal entry, but triumph only come. Look, Jesus' triumph only came at the, other, at the other side of town. Jesus had to go through town on the Via Della Rosa to Golgotha. The way was marked with suffering, with horrendous, horrendous cruelty. It was, it was nothing like one might imagine walking through Jerusalem today. This was a walk to death. This was Satan's moment where he thought he would triumph, but it was his defeat that was coming just ahead. But for right now, Jesus is on the way to Jerusalem, down to the other side of town, and it took grit and it took fortitude. It took tenacious determination that triumph for all mankind, for all of eternity, freedom from sin in the grave would be a reality. The balance of power would shift once and for all when Jesus hung on the cross and defeated sin, death, and the grave. And then we know what happened next. But I want to jump to verse 19 for just a second. Because that's where the Pharisees threw their hands up and said, What are we going to do now? They all they're all after him. The whole world is going after him. My question is, have we all gone after him? Is that our posture? That we will chase after Jesus just as much as he chases after us. We will go after what he has for us. And if we are, what does this look like? What does it look like? We're talking about coming home. About finding our spiritual home in the one true God. And this morning, I hope that you're making room for a fresh outpouring, a new sense of purpose, a keen awareness of what God is calling out in you. This is what we know. This is what we believe, that on our way home, on our way home, the potential for being sidetracked to misunderstand and be misunderstood, to lose focus, it's all very real and all very much a part of the human experience. But, but if we look closely, if if we look closely, if our eyes are fixed on Jesus, we will see his tenacity, his dogged determination to see the mission through. We know that Good Friday is coming. You guys, the only good thing about Good Friday is that all these millennia later, we still celebrate our redemption through his broken body and his spilled blood. 
The future that Jesus saw for us is the future that we realize in the celebration of Easter. Because our resurrection hinges on Christ's resurrection before us. If there is no resurrection of Christ, there is no resurrection for you and I. If Jesus did not raise from the dead, we have no hope. And so wherever your faith lies this morning, may it be stimulated and inspired to follow the way of Jesus. Because in his resurrection, we have life. Amen. God, we thank you that it is through your resurrection, it is through the power of, of the shed blood on the cross for us that we have life. So may we, the people of God, commit to walking the way of Jesus to live in confession and transformation and repentance, to live not safely, but, but let's be risk takers. Let's step into the places where God is still good even though it doesn't feel good in the moment. Where we are weak, make us strong. Let us live into the power of peace grace. Amen. Thanks for joining us for today's episode. Please rate and review us on Spotify and iTunes and join us again for next week's podcast. We love you and pray blessing and peace over you and your family.